0: Welcome to the Resilient Chat with Nat. I am Natasha O.M, your host for this podcast. As a female trauma survivor and a somatic trauma coach, I understand the healing journey can be overwhelming. I'm here to guide you to release trauma that is stored in the body by aligning the mind and body together so you can feel safe in your body, build resilience, and thrive in your life. My intention is to create a ripple effect of love, growth, and consciousness. This is a space where I will be sharing with you a combination of ancient and modern teachings to help you build resilience and move from pain to power. Right, so today we have Emmy Marie from Blooming Forward here on the podcast. Emmy is a certified trauma-informed coach who empowers trauma survivors to reject shame, embrace their truth, and move forward towards a brighter future. As a trauma survivor herself, her biggest passion in life is helping other survivors reclaim their power and find joy and safety after trauma. So I'm super excited to have Emmy here today and talk all about relationships because one of the biggest questions and concerns that I had at the beginning of my healing journey was, will I ever be in a supportive and loving relationship? Will I ever be okay enough to be in one? And Recently, maybe you've seen it too, Emmy. I shared on my Instagram how like years ago I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, BPD. And people with BPD are often finding it difficult to maintain their relationships due to having like really intense emotions uh, that sometimes could also lead to risky behaviors. In my case, it was also because of um, the complex trauma that I had. And though we're not really gonna talk about BPD today, but yeah. as humans, we crave for connections. And in fact, we were, you know, made to connect. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the main questions that people always have are usually yeah. about like the three things, health, money or career, and relationships. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just so lovely to have you here. And I know that you have a story and specifically on this topic. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your story or your journey? Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, yeah. So definitely my my story is very centered on relationships. And for a long time, I was trying to figure out why so much of my life was you know, immersed in relationships or why I was like obsessed, quote unquote, with relationships, Uh, but realizing now that all humans are wired Mm. for connection. Um, But anyways, so I started, I was in an abusive relationship as a teenager. So kind of that precipice between um, childhood and adulthood, where there isn't necessarily a lot of materials For survivors of like teen dating violence Mm -hmm. compared to survivors of childhood abuse or, you know, adult like domestic violence type situations. Um, So, yeah, I was like 15 and just fell like head over heels into this relationship. And I had a very anxious attachment style, which meant, you know, I was really reliant on other people to tell me I was good enough. So, Mm as a kid, I was always like trying to fit in and make sure people liked me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was very insecure that, you know, I was missing out on things or people didn't like me. So when I found someone that was like, you know, loved me after three weeks of dating or whatever, I was just like, this is it. I've, you know, I figured it out. Like I am all set. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. And it's hard to hear about you know, this happening to a 15 year old, because it's just like, really, how deep could you love someone? But I'll go back and read some of my writing from that time. And it's like, an adult could have written it, you know, Mm. it's like those teenagers and and children, for that matter, can feel extremely deep um, emotions and especially attachment. So anyways, within a few months, it started kind of turning into that um, kind of more subtle emotional abuse of like manipulation and control and like just like coercion and ridicule and um, basically the if you ever look up you know uh, an abusive relationship kind of the stages it really just followed that pattern of like tons of love bombing at the beginning and then just this insidious like you know, start of things that you couldn't really pinpoint, but you just, like, I just felt like, like something was wrong all the time. Um, But I didn't have the language or any sort of agency to call out what was going on. I just thought, oh, there's something wrong with me. I thought I was bipolar or, you know, I was just like, because my emotions were up and down Mm -hmm. all the time because when I would be happy, Um, you know, he would use it against me or find something wrong. So then I would dip super low and then, you know, he would make me feel bad for being upset and then like, give me some love as like a little treat. And then I would fly up again. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was all me. Um, and then as the years went on, it started to, you know, become very much more obvious, like obviously verbally abusive with lots of name calling and, you know, I didn't call a lot of this abuse at the time. The verbal abuse was one of the only things that I really kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking back, there was, it was tons of sexual abuse and um, all the emotional abuse of like gaslighting and um, just all the stuff that makes you kind of question your reality and think like, you know, something is wrong with me. Mm. And I really took it upon myself to fix this person because I thought, you know, we were meant to be and, you know, he loved me and, you know, I just needed to help him. I just needed to be better. So then this would stop happening. And, you know, that went on and I was just, I've I've always been very loyal. Uh, So that kind of drove this like commitment to this relationship that was annihilating me um and it slowly brought me away from everything I loved which is another really common abuse tactic is like isolating you from your friends and your family and your and your passions and your interests so you're kind of left with nothing but them Mm -hmm. so that was happening um yeah and it's you know I'm sure you understand it's very hard to summarize three years yeah (laughs) but either way basically this led me to the point where I was like you know, suicidal and just Mm. like struggling to function. And I finally remember one day Googling what is an abusive relationship? Three years later, you know, and every single thing I was like, oh, and I was actually in a psych 101 class. Mm -hmm. um, And I remember learning about all the personality disorders and I'm not like going to sit here and pathologize Mm -hmm. him or whatever. But when I read those, I was like, Oh, like this behavior is not normal. Um, you know, this is not okay. Uh, you know, what is what is happening here. Yeah. So it just really was like finally I got some education that like oh, relationships aren't supposed to be like this. Mm-hmm. Um, this person needs help and I need help, right? Yeah. Um because I was, you know, extremely depressed and anxious. So eventually I ended up getting out of that, which is kind of a unique story. That I feel like if I don't tell, it's kind of like, well, how would you leave? But um, he tried to get me to go to my doctor and get him Xanax to abuse. Um, and of course, I did it because I would do anything. And so I went there and she, instead of giving me Xanax, gave me Zoloft, which mm-hmm. is an antidepressant that you can't, like, you know, abuse. Yeah. And so I started taking it and he told me in two or three weeks, you're going to leave me. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, I won't. I'll never leave you. But he knew, you know, once my, like, if I had this depression lifted, like, and the spell broke, I would leave him, which was kind of this weird (laughs) prophetic thing. Um, But that's exactly what happened. (laughs) So I, you know, and I'm not here to be like, yeah, like, meds are the way because that's just, you know, this isn't some sort of, Mm -hmm. like. I don't know whatever yeah. but that is my story so I have to be honest yeah, and yeah share. Of but it, I almost feel like it was like a gift from the universe or something of like something to just break that break that spell mm-hmm. so I could see clearly like oh no 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 we're not doing this yeah um so anyways finally left and then I'm gonna try to get through this a little faster <laughs> that's okay um, <laughs> yeah so basically for the next few years i did not know what trauma was i was just kind of high on life and was like oh you know forget the past it's all done i'm gonna reinvent myself i like went to college and acted like my mantra was kind of like i don't care about anything i'm gonna do whatever i want um but i just kept repeating that cycle of like pushing away anyone that was actually good for me and just running head first at people that were emotionally unavailable um, or would like play games with me you know I was just kind of addicted to that that feeling of chaos Mm -hmm. and you know never and like having to chase to get my needs met yeah so that went on for quite a while until I was in another two-year relationship with someone who was once again not good for me um, and I just kept justifying it as like, oh no, but he doesn't like yell at me, you know, he doesn't do this or that. But like my stomach, my nervous system is like, you stop, you know, mm-hmm. giving me symptoms all the time of like anxiety and depression constantly. Yeah. So one day the something happened, the straw, you know, broke the camel's back and I left him. And then after that, I decided like, you got to stop, like some way you're going to stop this. And at this point, I still didn't know what trauma was you know, I still, am just like, I don't know. I'm just like an anxious and depressed person. Yeah. Um, so after, pretty soon after that, I started like, it kind of was one of those things where I was no longer in survival mode. Mm-hmm. So my symptoms could start coming out. So all of a sudden I started having flashbacks and nightmares and it was so disorienting and destabilizing. So I ended up, you know, um, getting help for that and realizing like, Oh, I have PTSD Mm -hmm. started seeing a therapist finally. And right around this time I started dating someone else who I'm still with today. And he was finally like the first person that like had boundaries and like kind of had his own life, but would like take me on dates and like we would get to know each other in like a gradual measured way instead of just like diving headfirst into it. so that was, yeah, that was like four years ago. And since then I have really dove headfirst into, you know, healing for myself and, you know, had kind of those dark nights of the soul of like, wow, like this is really bad. Yeah. Um, but i got, gotten help and over the course of it, I, you know, really, my passion has always been, you know, I want to help other people mm-hmm. and I want to help other people who've been through what I've been through. Yeah. But I didn't really understand, you know, how I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of time, like, as I started healing and was like, oh, wow, like, I don't really get triggered that often anymore. Like, I kind of have my symptoms under control. My passion, you know, only intensified with, like, all the research I was doing and, you um, I just started to be like writing a lot and creating this Instagram. And Mm -hmm. then I ended up getting certified as a coach and yeah, that's kind of like the expedited version, but now I am doing it, helping others uh, heal from trauma. And it's just like the most gratifying thing I could ever ask for. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing.
0: And and thank you so much for sharing that story. You're welcome. You mentioned that you were in, in an anxious attachment style uh, when you were in that abusive relationship. Yeah. Did you always have this anxious attachment style?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so that's, what's interesting because I feel like a lot of the literature about Mm -hmm. attachment styles are basically like, if you don't have a secure attachment style, your parents were kind of awful. Um, which is obviously (laughs) true for some people, but my parents are, and were incredibly lovely and Mm -hmm. supportive and I'm so grateful for that. Um, So it's like trying to figure out why I had an anxious attachment style isn't like Mm -hmm. this clear-cut obvious answer Um, but I think I I was essentially raised with this idea that service is the best thing you could do. Um, So helping others you know and both of my parents are um, Enneagram twos, which if anyone knows what that means, like the helper, and so am I. And it's like you know, your passion in life is helping others, which can be great, mm-hmm. but can also also come as a cost to yourself. And so, for whatever reason, I think I just really, really committed to that idea of like other people are where I'm going to earn love, um, even though my parents did unconditionally love me. Um, I was like, I I still have to like prove myself to get people to love me. And I think, you know, I'm an only child as well. So that might have something to do with it of like, I have to perform and like stand out in order to, you know, get attention. Um, Mm -hmm. But regardless, yeah, when I, when I started that relationship, I was very anxiously attached and i think that's like easy prey for someone that wants to abuse someone else is like oh you, yeah exactly. you need me to validate you okay well i'm gonna make you do x y and z to get that yeah. love from me um yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly can resonate a lot with that would you say that now because i know with attachment style that we can change and we can develop over time would you say that now you still have that style Yeah, great
1: question. So after the trauma or after the relationship, I I kind of maintained that anxious attachment style until I kept repeating the cycle. And then when I broke it, then when all the trauma symptoms surfaced, I really moved into a disorganized attachment style, Mm -hmm. which is often the result of, you know, abuse and neglect, essentially. Uh, People say in childhood, but for me it was not in childhood, but Mm -hmm. still during those formative years. Mm -hmm. And so with disorganized attachment for people that don't know, it's (laughs) like you need people to tell you you're good enough, but when they get too close, you're like, no, 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 people are dangerous and you push them away. Yeah. So it's extremely isolating and lonely and confusing. Um, So I was kind of in that, but more of the the avoidance side Which was kind of a coping mechanism that I really Mm -hmm. needed to have was like, I don't trust anyone. People are dangerous. I have to be strong, you know, and I have to do this on my own. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure out how to take care of myself. I don't need anyone else. But I was also trying to date this person who is, you know, very secure and very, he's a great person. Um, And I'm, yeah. So it was just a lot of like, finagling and, you know, just a lot of learning and time Mm -hmm. and growth. And honestly, this is like so much of what is in my latest course, just like it's very relevant because this is so like not talked about, um, Mm -hmm. how to kind of find a secure relationship when you've got a disorganized or any of the insecure attachment styles. Um, -hmm. but essentially, yeah, like with a lot of work on like trust and communication and then my own personal healing of my nervous system and my, you know, brain, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like I've been able to like, it's not Mm -hmm. like I'm this perfectly secure person that like never has flare ups of anxiety or avoidance, but Mm -hmm. like we have a secure relationship. Um, So yes, it is possible. And I'm really grateful for the fact that attachment styles can change and
0: they aren't like written on their own. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I actually, um, I've always known I had anxious attachment style, and then developed to like disorganized attachment style, and in fact, like, you know, right now I'm I'm married, and um, we're in a conscious supportive relationship, and I still, I still think and I mean I did the test and everything I have this or disorganized attachment style Um, but it doesn't yeah it does I I remember one of your posts was like um, that you don't need to have a secure attachment style to be in a loving relationship like I resonated with that so much because because I was like yeah you know it's so true and a lot of people like for example when they learn about attachment style for the first time and they find out, oh my God, I have this, uh let's yeah. say anxious attachment style. And they get so like worried and worked up, which is understandable. Yeah. Like right. I would be as well, you know, um, right. before. And um yeah. so then they would think, okay, now I will never find a partner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I thank you for sharing that. And Yeah. I think that's one of those things where education can be so helpful when we Mm -hmm. see a post that's like, you know, anxious attachment style looks like this. (laughs) And you read this list of symptoms and you're like, uh, great. (laughs) Like that's me. And there's nothing about like, you know, but it's okay. Or like, here's what you can do, which, you know, it's, it's understandable. It might not be the scope of that, you know, post, but yeah, like I'm trying to come, come in here and be like, it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, I think one of those things, like this comes up with clients a lot is, mm-hmm. um, you know how, if you have like, I don't know if you resonate, but I remember growing up, like I have really straight hair. So I always wanted like wavy curly hair. Oh my God, yes. And then all my friends with curly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Asian. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I have like
0: long straight hair. To be yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And then all my friends with curly hair would be like, Oh my God, I hate my curly hair. I just mm-hmm. wish it was straight. And they would straighten their hair. Yeah. And so I feel like it's the same thing with attachment styles. Like if you have an anxious attachment style, you're like, oh, like I'm so insecure, like clingy and meaty, whatever, like shame stories you have. Like, I wish I was independent and like, didn't care about anything. This was me. That's all of that was me. And then I've been on the other side and I'm like talking to friends who are like, oh, like, you know, I I wish my partner could give me more in relationships. Like I just need more love. And I'm sitting there like I'm the one that can't give that love. Like I'm the avoidant (laughs) one that's kind of like cold and distant. And it it just like, I remember crying about that for so long because I'm just like, I'm heartless. Like this, Mm is you know, so it's like the grass is always greener. Yeah. Um, But either way, like you can be on either side and move towards security and like, you know, by using things like like productive open communication, you can talk about, hey, this insecurity is coming up for me. Or like this need for space is coming up for me. I love you and I want to resolve this. Or mm-hmm. like, you know, these are what my needs are. Like you can talk through it instead of just drowning in the shame.
0: Yeah. So yeah. 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 I- like all of these tools and information that we've we've been provided, I think they can be put into good use because it helps us to be more aware. And you know, like yeah. as you know, when we start healing, the first step is having that awareness, right? Just like how when you were um, telling me your story in the abusive yeah. relationship. Like, yeah. when you had that awareness, remember, you were like, yeah. okay, now I'm aware of all the signs, and you took, yeah. finally, you took the steps. And that actually yeah. um, brought me to the next question. Um, so, you mentioned, like, a few, few times that you might have noticed the red flags, but at mm. what point, really, did you um, make a sense that, okay, this is not for me or maybe because I also know you know I've I experienced this myself having anxious attachment style and in past relationship when I was like I know that this relationship is not good for me but yeah I'm too anxious to let go yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: great point
0: yeah, that's, I'm glad you brought this up
1: because I think the the concept of like red flags and triggers mm-hmm. and just all the anxiety, like trying to figure out what is what, it can be so confusing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so for me, I think like the severe lack of education around really like stuff that seems really basic to me now, like consent, um, boundaries, you know, just like, treatment, like, what is mistreatment, what is, you know, what is, how does someone supposed to treat you in a relationship, like, was completely lacking from my Mm -hmm. education and from, like, the media at that time, like, I I think now it's getting better, like, I feel like Gen Z's seem, like, way more equipped to have, you know, good relationships as far as I'm aware of, but for me back then, it was, like, I didn't know anything about any of that, and... Mm. It's like you watch movies, like, I remember, like, The Notebook or something like oh that. Oh, my goodness, where, yes. Yeah, it's just, like, filled with, like, a huge ups and downs. And yes. like, oh, they're screaming the at each push other. push and pull. They, oh, yeah, and yes. it's like, that's what love is, mm-hmm. like. So I feel like there was like a severe lack of education about what a red flag is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: I was, so, yeah. Yeah, I was talking um, about this the other—I mean, not just the other day, like many times with my husband. How you know we, as little girls, we grew up with fairy tales, and we watched so many yeah. of these like rom-coms chick flicks right and it's always like happy ending you know and Mm -hmm. the the girl is needs to be treated like a princess and all of um these things and it also kind of set like expectations and it also makes us think like okay my relationship needs to be like this and this needs to be like this and if this guy acts like this you know you know what I mean it really starts to like train our mind from a really young age yeah so well said yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah so I think another thing that was difficult about like it's not that I didn't notice red flags you know like it's hard to not notice when someone is like screaming at you and calling you names Um, like, you know, I feel like it sounds so trivial if I say calling me names, but it's like the reason I'm not saying what they are is because they're, you know, horrific words. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, it's like so obviously a red flag, but the problem is I thought I deserved all of it. Even when I had done nothing wrong, I was just like, well, it's my fault. This is happening because that was the only way to explain this. so I think there's like a real lack of self-worth and like just knowing like from a child on that like who you are is good enough, no matter what, like you don't need to change for someone else. You don't need to prove your worth. Like you are a worthy person because you were born. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly think that would prevent a lot of abuse from happening, frankly. And I'm not here to you know talk about that, but like maybe if he would have known he was loved exactly as he was, you know, this when he wouldn't become that. The person that did that. So yeah. either way, I think just, you know, getting kids and teens and adults, everyone to have this feeling of like, I'm good enough. Then when mm-hmm. someone is abusing you, you're like, oh, like this doesn't align with the knowledge that I have, that I'm a good person and I'm, I don't deserve this. So I'm going to leave instead of yeah. like me letting it go on and on and on until the point where I really knew, you know, like, oh, this, this is, this is terrible. I was like, he'll kill me if I leave, or like, mm. I, I can't leave, or he'll kill himself, which mm. was always the main threat. So I, I'm stuck in this forever. And I really kind of surrendered to that. i just like, I'm going to die in this, you know, that's what's going to happen. So that's why that's why it took me to the antidepressants, because I was just like, this is it. Um, but I think for hopefully for some people, they can catch on before that. Mm-hmm. And have that support. I also felt like I had no support, even though my parents, my friends yep. were supportive. I just had this feeling of like, if they knew, you know, they would just think that I am a terror, like I let this go on for so long. They would be so ashamed of me. You know, I, I can't, I'm in this alone.
0: Yeah. So yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> and also, I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I mean, I was the same right now. I'm so much yeah. different. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> like in yeah. a sense with asking for support. You know, also, yeah. I think when we were teenagers, it was just a little bit like you don't really want to talk about these things with with your parents or maybe no. they might like say something and you're just going to end up feeling more um, sad or something like that. And yep. but yeah, I also think like even talking with your friends, you know, sometimes yeah. when you talk about some problem in your relationships with your friends, it. You might feel um, okay. They're gonna judge me, or they're gonna say, mm-hmm. "Oh, I'm, I'm not like my life is not as great," you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and oh, yeah, Yeah. <laughs> I, I just had to take a deep inhale because it's it was really like that, and mm-hmm. I just um, hope that people really do get support, and I'm so glad that now you know more and more that we are talking about these topics you know for example relationships attachment styles traumas whatever it is and I'm also thankful in the way that social media is allowing us uh, to open up these conversations I know that like you got um, your following uh, like you got to really grow your following through social media right and yeah um, really call in that community as well Hmm. yeah yeah and I feel like
1: you know, social media obviously has a lot of negative aspects to it. And honestly, before Blooming Forward, I was pretty, pretty disillusioned with social media. It was just Mm. like, this is terrible, but realizing that someone can type in, you know, like hashtag abusive relationship and be like, just suddenly have like so many resources. And, you know, most of my posts have that hashtag because it's like, Hey, look, like, this is not okay. Like, there's something that is so much better. And it's like, when I was a teenager, I mean, I guess Instagram had just come out, but it was Mm -hmm. like, like, I didn't know, like, you know, I could Google that stuff, but it wouldn't be like these accessible graphics that are kind of like in your everyday life. Like I'd be reading articles by psychologists or something, which as Mm -hmm. a 16 year old, I wasn't going to (laughs) read. So I'm really, really happy that, you know, social media makes this information more accessible. And like, yeah just the countless messages of you know gratitude I get is Mm -hmm. like it's amazing and I'm just like this is all I've ever wanted to do and like I don't I don't know how else I could have done this except for you know especially with teenagers it's like unless I was like going to be a school counselor or Mm -hmm. you know a therapist for teenagers or something but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times you know when I saw a therapist as a teenager I was like you can't say a single thing that will change my mind yeah I was so I remember me too yeah yeah (laughs) Where it's, like, if you're on social, if you're on Instagram, and you're, like, coming across, you know, this page that is, like, warm and inviting, and, like, you can turn away at any time. You're not, like, in a room with them, yeah. Um, but they're giving you this information of, like, hey, guess what? You know, you're worthy of more than this. It's, like, that is so much more accessible to someone that's, like, resistant to getting help. So, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: yeah. I want to just um, talk real quick. You mentioned, you know, when you were leaving the relationship it was kind of scary for you to leave so what actions did you actually take did you just like block and like run away <laughs> or uh, you don't have to Probably. go in details feel free but just you need know, to yeah because I'm sure yeah, that maybe there's someone um listening to this maybe they're yeah. in an bu- abusive relationship uh, themselves or toxic relationship and they just yeah. feel like tied down yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah Yeah, so
1: for me it was interesting because you know we didn't live together we both lived with our parents he was actually Mm. in jail um he was in and out of jail and Mm -hmm. at this time I thought he was going to be in there for six months so I wrote him a letter uh to break up with him which you know you could call it cowardly I don't care at all uh I had to do what I had to do I know you wouldn't but like (laughs) whatever um I did what I had to do and then he got out a week later which was terrifying um because Mm -hmm. he was supposed to be in there for six months Mm -hmm. so he yeah I mean the bad news is he ended up stalking me and whatever um until finally you know that ended but he yes, I blocked him on everything. Um, and he would call me all the time for my, identif- uh, you know, unknown number or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't answer. And, you know, it did take a little, like, I think I saw him one more time after we left. So just for, you know, it's very common to kind of like get roped back in. So if that happens, you know, anyone listening, it's okay. Just keep strong and realize like you can, you don't have to just like think, oh, I, I failed. I'm going to go back. You know, you can it might take some time to like go Mm -hmm. no contact. Um, But yeah, we definitely went no contact. Um, And, you know, I think it could have been handled better. Like I I could have started seeing a therapist. I could have, you know, talked about it. Like I, you know, with my friends, I definitely, you know, would like kind of badmouth him or, you know, like go off about it. But I wasn't like, I didn't know the word trauma. I didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just like, whatever and just kind of like it was like a slingshot just like like I just Mm. took off into like freedom world um Mm -hmm. but anyways yeah like and I I moved like about you know six months later I moved states so I moved like you know a five-hour plane ride away um and that was kind of how I found you know a sense of freedom Mm -hmm. and kind of restarted like my life and all that um but yeah i would recommend having more support if yes, you can 100% yeah, than what i did um especially with there's like free services you know whether in your local community or i think online depending on where you live mm-hmm. uh but yeah if you need help getting out of an abusive relationship there is yeah. help available so don't feel like you have to do it on your own like i did and i was lucky enough to you know have parents that i lived with that could keep me safe stuff like that which you know, not everyone has access to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And so, yeah. So first I wanted to ask you, so what are some some tips that you can give to some people who, two two different kinds of tips. The first one is someone who is um, getting into a relationship and they're starting dating again and you know they're maybe thinking okay maybe this person is the one or I don't know um yeah what are some Mm -hmm. tips do you think like you can you can give them because I know that sometimes when we have this trauma from our past Mm -hmm. it can come up right in our oh yeah today's life um when we see some triggers you know our Subconscious uh, threats uh, detector will go off and, like, nope, what is this guy doing mm-hmm. to me? When it's actually probably just showing you that, you know, hey, I'm here to be supported yeah. and you're safe with me. But some signs might yeah. feel like, ah, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would love to hear from your side. What do you think could be some tips for them? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, I think number one tip is go slow. So I think there's this expectation that we need to like know someone's the one, trust them, you know, all that like immediately. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be kind of due to our trauma. We might trust people really, really quickly, even mm-hmm. if they're not the best people for us to trust. So either way, like being very intentional, of, like I'm going to go slow in this relationship. So whether that means putting rules on yourself of like, I will see this person once a week for a four hour date and that's it. And we, you know, like, we're not going to be together all the time. He's not, they're not going to come over to my house. Like whatever Mm -hmm. it is, setting up boundaries of like, I'm going to remain an autonomous person. Um, And so if if you're anxious, like anxious attachment more, that might be really, really difficult. If you're avoidant, that might be um, an opportunity for you to. Have like kind of structure in place and then be able to kind of soften and warm up a little bit within Mm -hmm. that structure, knowing that you can retreat at any time, like knowing it is okay to like be out there and vulnerable because you can go home. They're not going to expect you to, you know, stay with them, whatever. So going slow, having boundaries. And then um, as the relationship progresses, I think just getting really just building your communication which can be really, really difficult, but taking it step by step and just having it in your mind of like working on communication, such as um, saying what your needs are, saying what you're feeling, not suppressing stuff. Um, So if you feel like triggered or uncomfortable, you don't have to say, hey, I have PTSD and I'm triggered. Like you don't have to disclose. But you can just say like oh what did you mean by that instead of like assuming what they meant spiraling into like oh they're dangerous or oh i'm bad instead of be like oh you know just asking mm-hmm. i think a lot of times people want this like magical answer of like what's a red flag and what's a trigger and there's a lot of advice i can give on the difference but the mm-hmm. bottom line is if you if something flares up in you and you're like uh was that a red flag ask about it and if their response is mean or dismissive or cold yep it's a red flag you know mm-hmm. but if their response is like you know they are willing to engage with you they will talk about it you know they don't necessarily need to be like perfect by any means but they're not going to like shoot you down for when you raise a concern then it might just be a trigger um, mm-hmm. so I think communication is, is Yeah. Kind of an obvious thing, but it's it's also the biggest
0: thing we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Communication. I mean, it's just like, it makes sense, you know, two people connecting what's in between the communication. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right.
1: It seems so obvious, but it's Mm. like. It can be so hard and it is like, so like, hard. Yeah.
0: So yeah. hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I I liked I'm always motivated by like this concept of like rebelling against trauma mm-hmm. or whatever, of like trauma is not gonna hold me back or like hold me down. So it's like when I practice communication, I am saying trauma, you don't win. Like you're not gonna keep me silent, you're not gonna mm-hmm. keep me repeating the cycle. So it gives me the sense of kind of like fortitude or like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm gonna do this, like. I have a mission almost that can help strengthen me when I'm like faltering yeah
0: um yeah yeah and also just wanted to add with communication I know that it can be so hard and I think it takes takes practice you mentioned um before something about like basically that we shouldn't assume I think most of the times you know let's say your partner is doing something, but you're not really sure. And you're just thinking like, oh my goodness, he he hates me. He doesn't love me. Yeah. He's been like spending time with himself, you know, all these things. Yeah. When actually maybe he's just, you know, stressed and super tired with work or something yeah. like that. But most yeah. of the time, especially, I guess I see this often um, in girls. <laughs> I don't know why mm. that is <laughs> in girls that, we often like assume the worst before um like Mm -hmm. creating that space to have open conversation with your partner like hey are you okay what's been going on you know um yeah you know just asking the questions like you said ask the questions yeah yeah
1: yeah I think this is and it's it's not just people that have experienced trauma too like I know a lot of people that really struggle with communication for one reason or another, whether it's like you're socialized or conditioned not to ask questions or to like always just try to fix stuff before you even know what's wrong. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like another thing that was kind of life changing for me is this concept of like, people can't read your mind. So if you're sitting there like something's wrong, something's wrong, you know, they don't know that you're thinking that. So you need to say, Hey, know i'm experiencing this feeling of anxiety because you look upset and i like for me it's like i always think it's my fault and it's kind of like almost a running joke in our house now because Mm -hmm. you know we've been together for so long Mm -hmm. but it's just like yep like i see you know you're bummed out about work but i my entire body is like that's my fault i did something i need to fix this Mm -hmm. um so it's like having this like communication of hey can you just tell me what's wrong you know and he's like okay it's something about work and i'm like so i just want to make sure it's nothing to do with me Nope. It's nothing to do with you. I can even say, okay, can, can you hug me? Or like, can you, you know, can you, whatever, whatever yeah. your love language is, like, can we do this or that? Yes. Okay. And then it's like, you feel so much better than if you were just like on this thought loop of like, I did something wrong. I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah communication break, break the break the train <laughs> before it wrecks. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Break the train
0: before it wrecks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it's the same thing with me. And actually it's, um, In our relationship now, we remind each other of this all the time, like you cannot control the other person's reaction like say maybe you want to say something but you're um, afraid that maybe he would react in a bad way like in a way that you wouldn't want him to react and but you don't know until you try and you know say it out loud maybe he says oh okay that's a great idea you know yeah um rather than staying like too much in your head so yeah
1: yeah. And I, yeah, I feel like we like getting, getting used to the fact that sometimes people won't react well is different than people abusing you. You know, yeah. uh, if you've come from an abuse background, like yeah. I was always terrified to say anything that I thought could <sighs> yeah. ruffle some feathers because I'm like, oh, then I'm going to get hurt. Like my whole <laughs> body is like, no, like that is how this pain happens again. So I took a lot and a lot of effort to start to say things that I know, you know, my partner might not agree with or might upset him. But like every time you do that and you realize like when someone's upset, even if they're, you know having an emotional reaction that's very uncomfortable for you, if they're, if they're not, you know, being abusive, like it gives your body this reality that like, Hey, people, people can feel their feelings and it's not going to hurt you. Like you Mm -hmm. are still safe. Even when someone's crying, you are still safe. Even if someone's frustrated, you know, Mm -hmm. and then having some additional support of like a therapist or a coach, or even like a friend or someone that you can be like, Hey, look, you know, I'm so triggered having this conversation with blank, my partner. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and just having someone else to talk to or even a journal or something. So you're not yeah. just like only thinking about the other person. Um, yeah. And yeah. not too
0: much in your head because that's yeah. when the the loop begins and we get stuck in yeah. there. Uh, all yeah. right. So one last thing and it was, this is the last tips. Um, yeah. So the last yeah. one would be after an abusive relationship, usually we, We become more hypervigilant, right? And Mm -hmm. so it makes sense why, oftentimes, um, I've also met some people who become very selective of their partner. Like, for example, they're like, "Yeah, but you know, this person needs to have this and this and this and this because you know of what happened to them in the past, and that they already know what they don't want, right? So now they're listing of all the things that." they they want which makes yeah. sense again um so what tips do you think you can give them because sometimes though it's good to have a list and know what we want it can also um, make us stay stuck in in the experience of of life in general and yeah. also connecting with others and activating that ventral vagal yeah. right so right yeah
1: yeah that's that's a really good point um I think when it comes down to it with so many things, just questioning, how does this serve me? Um, So if you, for something like this, it's like, okay, how does this serve me? Well, it probably serves you by keeping you safe from being in another abusive relationship. So that's awesome. How does this harm me? It's like, oh, it keeps me from connecting with others. Okay. So that's great. This has both a serving function and a harmful function. You know, what do we want to do now? So it might be something like lessening your boundaries a little bit. Um, I think a good concept to realize is like you can just be friends with people. Yeah. Uh so it's like you can like, you know, y- you don't have to feel obligated to like be in a relationship with someone. So like if you come across someone that you think is cool, but you're like, oh well, they have this and this on the list, so you know, that they were not gonna date, it's like you can just be friends. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so it's like, it doesn't have to be so like black and white unless you need it. Like, I just want to make it clear. If you do need a period of time where you're like, nope, like I will not compromise on anything. That's okay. You Mm -hmm. know, it's okay. Um, you don't have to, you know, let your guard down, but yeah, I think just focusing, especially if it's really hard for you, if if relationships are really triggering Mm -hmm. after an abusive relationship, focusing on friendships, um, you know, support groups, like co-workers, whatever, like, you know, just having, yes. you know, just having strong relationships in other ways yeah. can kind of warm you up a little bit and realize like, oh, other people are safe and, mm-hmm. you know, pouring into yourself too, doing a lot of self-care and um, yeah. building up that self-worth and all that. I think that might be a good, a good route to go if you're feeling a little like tight
0: around mm-hmm. dating. Mm-hmm. yeah i love that and community has been big for me in my journey um connecting to others even like to strangers i mean at the end of the day we all start out as strangers anyway yeah. i mean me and you we started yeah. out as strangers yeah. and look at us here now yeah. which is i'm so thankful so yeah. yeah community super great um yeah as you said to help our systems get used to that oh other people's Other people um, are safe and it's okay for us to connect. Start small. And as you said at the beginning, go slow.
1: Yeah. If you, yeah,
0: exactly. I think you know yourself um, better than anyone else. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, do you have any last words before we finish? Also, I wanted to talk about um, that you are now launching your relationships after trauma course, which is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to speak a little yeah. bit more about this? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, if any of
1: this spoke to you, um, this is like you know scratching the surface of what this course covers. Um, I really felt called to do this you know, over six or seven months ago as kind of my first business venture. And I ended up doing coaching instead to begin with, but this is like relationships after trauma is by far the closest thing to my heart. So it ended up being over 12 hours of like video lessons. So it's super dense. um, But you know, they're broken down into like digestible chunks Mm -hmm. But it's really just like, it's like a wealth of all the information I have around trauma in the nervous system, trust, boundaries, communication, red flags, triggers, healing techniques. Um, so yeah, I'm so excited. It is going to be launching on October 19th and o- the cart will be open till October 29th. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a Facebook community for it and there's going to be live group coaching calls. So I'm really, really excited to, yeah, just, I, I can't wait for people to have this information. I think, I don't know of anything else really out there. That's like a trauma informed relationships, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: yeah
1: thanks for thanks
0: for asking yeah so cool so everyone um anyway i'm gonna put the details uh, in the description below so make sure you check it out and thank you so much emmy for being here today (laughs) on this podcasting yes
1: (laughs) yeah thank you for having me i love the title resilient chat i'm like i love i love resilience yes thank you so much for having me (laughs) thank you (laughs)
0: I hope you have had some amazing takeaway from this episode and thank you so much for listening to the Resilient Chat with Nat. Be sure to subscribe to listen to more uplifting conversations and teachings and take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at N-A-T-H-A-S-Y-A-O-M so I know that you're listening, learning, and growing. If you love this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast to be found by people who are like you, who are on their healing journey or personal growth journey. Other than that, please be sure to tune in for the next episode and I'll talk to you next time. I can't wait to share more with you. I am sending you love.